0: Welcome back to How I Got Here, a podcast about the success stories of accomplished people from a wide range of industries. In this episode, we talk to Anne Faber, who is most well known for her cookbooks and food blog known as Anne's Kitchen. Born in Luxembourg, Anne Faber is a household name in the UK and also in Luxembourg. From good old English grub to baking and even Asian recipes, if it's in the kitchen, Anne can do it. She travels the world presenting a TV show visiting cool places all over the world, from Shoreditch to Barcelona to Berlin. She encourages viewers to try out her recipes inspired by her travels. Her simple yet charming cookbooks have won the Luxembourg Book Prize two years in a row. Anne is shooting straight to the top, so who better to explain how she got there than the lady herself. Hello and welcome to the show, Anne. Hello, Marina. So I've only squeezed in a few of your accomplishments in the (laughs) introduction um, and we'll get through all the other wonderful things later, but could you tell us a bit about the parts we don't know? How did it all start?
1: I think I've always loved cooking and media and I think the thing that represents it the most or that illustrates it the best is that when I was little I was in the scouts and every little scout would have to do these accomplishment badges, you know, like the first aid badge or other badges that would say like, oh yeah, I've achieved it, lots of sports badges. Well, I think I must have been a really lazy little scout because I only ever had two on my uniform at the end of five <laughs> years and they were the reporter badge and the cooking badge. So at five years old, I already loved cooking and reporting so much that I get, got, got those two badges. And I think that's what really shows that our passion has always somewhere been inside of me. Mm-hmm. And um, I always loved cooking at, in school. I was, I remember like my mum would take us to the uh, Messagerie du Livre, which used to be a bookshop here in Luxembourg. And we could select our books for the summer, or read summer reads. And I would always sneakily, che- like sneak off to the cookbook section <laughs> and, and read those. And my mom would always drag me back and say, no, 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 that's not a serious read. You need to go and get some real literature. Mm. So, yeah, it's so always So even from a young age? Yeah, absolutely.
0: And then how did it develop into a career that you felt that you could make money from?
1: Well, I studied... Journalism. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I studied English literature because my parents were like, oh, that journalism thing might never work out. You need to to have a proper education and you can always become a teacher if it doesn't work out with the so-called journalism. Um, I went to the UK. I studied English literature with film studies, always keeping a little media element on me. And during university already, I tried to always incorporate food in what I did. So Mm -hmm. I took a special module called Literature and Food where we analysed the representation of food in high literature or in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I also was, I founded the Good Food Society in university where we were teaching people how to cook basic things. And um, it was always there. Then I went to London to study journalism and um, I took an evening course in food and drinks journalism, which was taught by Guy Diamond from Time Out magazine, the main restaurant reviewer. And by Lulu Grimes from Olive magazine, which is a very big food magazine in the UK, just to kind of go into the food journalism direction. Mm -hmm. It wasn't part of the actual course module, but I just took it as an add on because I thought you never know what's going to happen. And I'm going to get back to that later because there is a story related to this. But the interesting thing is with that journalism course is that in the back of my mind, I always wanted to do food. But obviously you take a journalism course and it's like very serious BBC style reporting that you learn And in our very first meeting with the course convener, she allocated us our our stages, so our Mm -hmm. internships, because we would have one day a week an internship. And people would be placed at the Associated Press, at BBC, at ITV, like all the big ones. And then they got down the line and my name had still not been called. And they started giving out these really obscure documentary placements. I was like, oh, God, what's going to happen? And my name got called very last after 40 people and they were like, Anne, we're really sorry. We hope you have an open mind. We didn't know where to place you this is going to be quite an offbeat internship. And I was like, oh God, what's going to happen? <laughs> and she turns around and she said, well, you're going to do a placement at ITV Saturday Cooks. <gasps> and I was like, oh my God, you're kidding me. They had no idea. I was like a food person. I loved it. Right. I jumped up and I was like, oh, <laughs> amazing. And so I got a four month placement helping out uh, Anthony Warren, Wall Thompson mm-hmm. on the food show and writing recipes for them, researching things. And it was just a dream come true so again somehow the universe gave me a food, a yeah. food related internship and um i always well i, I still thought oh it's it's not going to be serious journalism because you can't really make much money in food or at least there is not much many jobs so i started a job at the associated press after my um after my uni mm-hmm. and um, there i was working in um, uh, entertainment at first so i got to cover the well, some of the premieres on Leicester Square. Very exciting. That I'm was sure. quite nice, especially when I got to interview Will Smith. Who oh, was very incredible. nice. He called me babe. He's like, hey, babe. And I was uh, like,
0: oh, my God. And then you <laughs> forgot all the questions. I did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. It was really, really exciting. And I enjoyed it. But I still felt like it was a bit of a sausage factory, to use a food analogy. Mm. So if you work for a news agency, it's always the daily things that come in and Well, in entertainment as well, it's like covering the premieres, it's very much standardized work and you can never make it, tweak it or make it personal or make it interesting because you have to send it out to 500 TV stations afterwards Mm -hmm. who all need to be able to use the raw material. So I thought I need to push myself on the side and I started my blog that was in February 2010
0: because
1: mm-hmm. I just still thought that food thing is is in me and I love cooking and my friends always ask me for the recipes and then they always have to email it to them and it became tedious and I was like oh I'm gonna make a blog and they find it there mm. back then blogging was really not a big thing yet I mean now everybody has one but back then it was a bit like very obscure um, it was the right time to get into it I think exactly it? It, exactly and I wanted to really practice my food photography as well mm-hmm. and I really discovered that I'm I really I'm quite good at it or I'm enjoying it and the, the things come out right people always say food photography is one of the hardest because it needs to look natural and appetizing yeah. and not too overstyled. it's it's a mm, it's something that's I think the love shines through with my photography that I love eating it, Yeah, (laughs) even though I eat mostly cold food.
0: (laughs) Your blog is beautiful. I was having a look at it and it is the pictures that really make it too. I mean, the recipes are great, but if the pictures weren't good, you would not be drawn to them. And I was clicking on all of them and it was (laughs) making me hungry just looking at them. Thank you. So when you started blogging, it wasn't very popular no Um, so how did how was it to be one of the first food blogs
1: well it wasn't one of the first it was one of a few and it it wasn't I mean at first it was only my family looking at it and a few friends (laughs) and then somehow it started like getting a bit more attention and I think it's because I commented on other blogs and it just got word of mouth but it never really took off as in like you can't say that I'm now like a super popular blog but in Luxembourg I am and that's Mm -hmm. because in Luxembourg I managed to really well get attention through the TV show and the books Mm -hmm. Um, but I just want to say that what really was the interesting thing is just to show how sometimes things things work out is that I was really passionate about food, I was really passionate about journalism I quit my job at the associated press because the sausage factory thing just became too much for me and i remember i distinctly i I wanted to go back to luxembourg and go travel i wasn't sure what i was going to do but in the back of my mind i had this idea i really want to do food journalism and so one evening i walked back home and i had it in the back of my mind i want to be a food journalist how can i do this and i i had a real craving for a thai green curry somehow Mm -hmm. And so I took a detour and I went to Marks and Spencer to buy a ready-made curry. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I took the detour and I stand at the red cross at the red light at the crossing and I scan the faces opposite and I see Guy Diamond standing there, the food critic from Time Out who used to be my teacher five years before. And I was like, oh my God, this is not a, this is not a coincidence. So I walk up to him and I say, hi, Guy. I don't know if you remember me. And he looks at me and he goes like, oh. Yes, you're from this funny little country, aren't you? (laughs) The perks of living in
0: Luxembourg, huh? Brilliant,
1: (laughs) absolutely. It turned out he was on his way to review a bar on his own and he asked me if I wanted to join him and we had a long conversation and he, I mentioned my blog, and he looked at it the next day and emailed me and said, Anne, this is really professional what you're doing. Would you like to come and do an internship with wow. me for a week after you're finished at the Associated Press? So I was like, yeah. I called my parents. Uh, cancel the Eurostar. I'm so not coming back to last <laughs> And I did an internship. And after two days, he turned around and he said, wow, your English has gone so, so good. And Aww. you really are doing it right. I want you to work for me. And so that's how I got a job as a restaurant critic in London. What a dream come true. How old were you at this point? Uh, I think 26. Wow. So it was after uni, after I'd worked for three years for the Associated Press. And I think that's one of the things that I've I've come to realise in life is that if you sometimes go with the flow or the intuition Mm -hmm. like that night if i hadn't had that green curry craving and i'd gone home and said like i'll eat whatever leftovers in the fridge i would have not bumped into guy i would Mm -hmm. have probably come back to luxembourg i would have probably never really done anything with it after all i don't know maybe i would have worked out but the point is that i think if you if you just go with it somehow it will all work out or things will go into the right direction because working as a restaurant critic in London was incredible and it gave me the confidence to work as a freelancer generally. I started working for ZDF, the German TV station. I did the Royal Wedding with them and Olympics and lots of other things on the side because working as a food journalist doesn't make enough money to mm. to do it um, full time. And it also gave me the proactive streak to actually talk to publishers in Luxembourg and see if somebody wanted to do a cookbook with me. And that's how the cookbook started. And that's how the cookbook started. Because I still, even as a restaurant critic, I was thinking, oh, I still want to do something that combines my work as a a writer, a photographer, TV journalist. Because Mm -hmm. once I got a Luxembourgish publisher on board to do a book with me, I was sitting there thinking, I want something that's going to be as great and as professional as a Jamie Oliver cookbook. Mm. It needs to be quite thick, it needs to be nice and square, and it needs to have at least 100 recipes in it. Well, 100 recipes is a lot of work yeah. if you're a one-man band. I can do what, up to two recipes a day, cook them and photograph them with the light. But at the same time, I can't do more because well, how am I going to eat it all? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I can't just <laughs> throw it away or give it away, all of it. So I was thinking, okay, reasonably, it will take at least 100 days. It will probably take 200 days because I'll have to double test things. I'll have to put in time. How am I going to work as a freelance journalist and do that on the side? So I thought, well, how do how does it work? I mean, how does this whole system work? And I looked at Jamie Oliver and I thought, okay, this book needs to be a success. So how do successful people do it? Well, They have a TV show that goes with their books.
0: Right. And that promotes it and funds it. Yeah.
1: And so I thought, well, I I work for RTL Luxembourg already as a freelancer at this time. Mm. They know my work. So I'm just going to go in and pitch them a TV show. (laughs) And I did. And um, much to my surprise, the program, uh, the chief of programming turned around and said, well, Uh, we have not planned in any budget for such a thing, but actually we haven't had food programming in a long time and it sounds like a really good idea. Why don't you go off and shoot as a pilot and show us what it would look like and then we can show it to potential sponsors. Mm -hmm. So I went back to London, I called up my friends and I said, hey, you want to shoot a pilot for a TV show? If we do well, we get work for a year, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So we, we used my little kitchen and we shot a pilot. Did you know someone that was a filmmaker? Ha. Here we are again at a story of showing how weird sometimes, I say the universe, but how weird sometimes yeah. coincidence works. So just a month before that, I had reconnected with an old friend of mine from Luxembourg, Aisha Halliwald, mm-hmm. who, when we were 14, we would run around with her dad's camera and record weird, wacky videos. This is the time before YouTube, you know? Nobody had a camera. <laughs> this is, We were weirdos. She went off to London to become uh, to study film directing and she became a director. And So we had completely lost touch and we have a mutual friend who lives in London but is from Luxembourg and had forgotten his phone charger in his flat. Well, I had the spare key but had no time to go into the flat. So he said, oh, you can meet up with Aisha, she can go and pick it up. And I was like, Aisha, oh my god, I haven't seen her in five years, ten years, something. We went off and ate a burger and connected over lunch. And she was saying how she was looking for work and how it's in London is quite tough at the moment. And Mm -hmm. I had seen her stuff and I said, oh, it's really, really good. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm I'm preparing this pitch for like a TV show. And she then asked me a few really good questions. She said, Anne, how do you want to portray yourself or how do you see this whole the look of the show? And I had a few answers, but she really asked things that were very, very good and made me think. And she also gave me some suggestions just like that. Mm. And it was all just very like, yeah, we had a burger. You know, it wasn't like thinking of work at that point. It was just brainstorming as friends. And so I called her a month later and I said, do you want to shoot this show? I want you as my director. <laughs> and she was like... Are you kidding me? Did you actually manage to get the pitch? And I said, Yeah, if we do well, we
0: get it. So again, if I hadn't gone for that burger, yeah. her, I would have not even thought of calling her. So the first thing was was um, triggered by a, th- a green Thai curry. Yes, and then this thing was triggered by a burger. <laughs> <laughs> you owe it all to food, Anne. Ah, uh, it is like that. <laughs> okay, so what's it really like to get a cookbook published? Because books <laughs> are notoriously known for being very hard to publish. Mm-hmm. Like many, many writers try and get published all the time, and you already have two cookbooks out so how did you manage that? For me what I'd done is to get their attention. The publisher I uh, approached is
1: Edition Schorchen, and they Mm -hmm. had just um, republished an old cookbook called Catty Tool which is the Elizabeth Beaton of Luxembourg so it's the standard old cookbook that everyone who would get married in Luxembourg would get it offered from the from their from their town it's so traditional it's so (laughs) traditional they've got all the Luxembourgish old school recipes in it that's so funny and this publisher just republished it with really beautiful food photography in it and I looked at it and I was like oh this is actually really nice this publisher gets the cookbook world so I wanted to approach them but I thought I'm not going to directly approach him and say I want to do a book with you Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it differently so I emailed them and I said, I really love this book. I would love to do a giveaway on my book, on my blog, and get people to um, to maybe win a copy of this beautiful new book. And in order to do that, I want to recreate one recipe of the book and photograph it in my style mm. and and draw attention to the book like that. And they were like, oh, yes, sounds like a plan. Great stuff. And what it did is that they actually looked at my blog through that. They obviously looked at that and they saw there were, I think, 40 comments or something on that giveaway. It had quite a attention mm. and for them that was a thing where they were like hang on probably this is quite interesting so they said to me look next time you're in town can we meet up for coffee right and we did and we had a half hour chat and at the end of the chat they said by the way if you have, have you ever thought of doing a cookbook because we would love to work with you and i was like oh really <laughs> and i was like yes the plan is working <laughs> No, but it's, it's the thing. It's always like knowing how to handle things. I think if you push down a door, it might be harder. But if you get to know people or if you just at least establish a connection, mm. it's easier to get your foot in the door than if yeah. you send a manuscript and you're just one of thousands lying there. And Luxembourg is beautiful for that because you can make those connections very quickly.
0: I think that even though it sounds so magical when you describe it, like all these coincidental things happening and the universe sending things your way, I think so much of it, and maybe it's hard for you to see that because you're a very modest person, I think a lot of it comes down to you and the kind of person that you are and you really went out and made things happen for yourself.
1: Yeah, I think that's one thing that somebody said to me once when I got my first job at the Associated Press. It was also a big coincidence I got it and and the person said to me, no, Anne, it's not a coincidence. It's like you you made this happen. I mean, you make your own luck in life. Mm. And I think you need to have a proactive attitude. Nothing's ever going to fall into your lap. I dreamt when I was little that I would one day have a cooking TV show. And I realized one day, you know, no one's ever going to ask me for it unless Mm. I ask for it. And I also have to say, yeah, it sounds all very like plain sailing, but there's been lots of challenges. And I had to create my own production company in the UK and another company in Luxembourg. I had to take huge financial risks as well. And I I was responsible for the whole thing. So if there had been any kind of problem along the way, I would have been the one who would have been liable. So if mm-hmm. I hadn't been able to, if we hadn't been able to deliver everything of the TV show to RTL, my friends would have not had problems. I would have been like, I could have never worked with them again mm-hmm. and so on. So it is huge responsibility. And the other thing is that it's um, people don't realize it but I work I mean I I need to every day try and find work in order to make this work Um, cookbooks don't make money I have to say Um, Mm. books are beautiful things to do it's a great marketing tool it's a great little pocket money so you need to find other ways to make it Mm -hmm. the tv show for me was a really great thing I'm still freelancing I'm still writing recipes here and there I'm doing events I'm I'm always every day I need to find Mm. new ways and I think some people might find that incredibly draining or incredibly hard. And for me, it's actually, it's exciting. I'm like, oh, mm. I, might, I might have another show cooking event or I might mm. do this. But it's definitely not a life for someone who needs a secure everyday life. Because I, if I wanted to, I could every day lie in till midday and then watch a bit of Netflix and then maybe cook <laughs> something, you know. No, I get up every morning, well, at 8.30, sometimes at 9 if I really <laughs> want to sleep in. And um, I usually cook um, something. I start, I start doing my emails and then at around 11, 11.30, I start cooking so that by one o'clock, the latest, I can photograph because I always photograph with natural light. And then once the photos are done, I reheat my cold food by then and I eat it. And then I um, transfer the photos, I work on the photos, I write down the recipes correctly, I write down the introduction. Gosh, it's a lot of work, isn't it? It is. And then I, well, I plan the next day's shoots. Uh, I need to, I'll go shopping, do all of that stuff as well. I mean, it's, it's all these little things. And on top of that, I obviously have to think of the bigger picture and like think of new pitches, think of new ways to, well, extend the brand or do cool mm. things. So it's very much, it's, you have to have lots of hats on. Yeah, I
0: feel like you you're revealing all these secrets because you know the thing <laughs> about for those who are listening, the your blog is just so it's like very nonchalant. It's like oh, you know, here's me in my kitchen and life's dandy and it's bright and I have an apron on and my friends come in and have <laughs> yeah. cakes with me, but that much work goes into it yeah. and you cook every day. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I try. I mean, fi- I try to get five recipes in into a week at least especially since I'm working on a new cookbook and that means
0: another 100 recipes that I need to have down quite quickly. I'm going to take the opportunity to ask you (laughs) what recipe do you have that's foolproof that you always pull out the bag? Oh my
1: God, that's a hard one. Uh, I have a steak and ale pie, which is just incredibly simple. Always works. You know, you just like let the meat simmer for hours and then in the end you just chuck some puff
0: pastry over it, put it in the oven and it just always pleases people. <laughs> you know when you used to cook at home, did you used to speak as if you had an audience? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> no, I never did. I, I think I, no, I'm definitely not a Nigella in the kitchen who like... <laughs> I have to say, I stuff. do that. I asked you because <laughs> I <laughs> Oh, that's I'm not a great cook, but I always talk when I'm doing it, and and when I make mistakes, I'm like, oh well, you wouldn't want to do that because now all the flowers on the floor. Oh my god, yeah, I should I, totally start doing that. That might make me more natural when I it's cook. An, TV. An, it's really odd, you know, when, when my friends come over and I'm preparing dinner, I forget that they're there, and then I start doing it, and they video me because they think it's so funny. Oh, that's great. You should start a YouTube on that. No, yeah, no, because I can't actually cook. That's the problem. But that might be the. Charm, I can just obviously. talk about it. That's the only thing. What inspired your? love for cooking and journalism combined you you mentioned Jamie Oliver a few times is there anyone else that you think's been significant in your career?
1: I think well what I really like about Jamie Oliver is that his strategy is great I mean he's got a great business strategy I mean by now I think he's become too big and some of it is a bit lacking of uh, consistency Mm -hmm. and quality but I think he's really done a great job and I like as well that he's been quite campaigning for things and he's just somebody who takes his his impact or like his his fame to make an impact as well Mm -hmm. Um, others I really like are actually people who are not so well known, yeah. that, like current food writers. Like I really like Anna Jones, mm-hmm. who is writing, uh, who's re- published two cookbooks called A Modern Way to Cook. And they're really great vegetarian things. It's just incredible. And she w- used to work for Jamie Oliver, actually.
0: Okay. But her
1: food is really interesting. She does all these kind of, well things that are now trendy, but the courgette noodles and stuff. I mean, I think she kind of started these trends, so she's one to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, I like Nigel Slater, who in the UK is very famous for his very much simple recipes, comfort food. Um I don't like him on TV. He's got a very weird mouth. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but he has, his articulation is really sweet. Um Rachel Koo is great. Yeah. Um she's done I mean she obviously she she traveled around the world and she's done these things I've I've sometimes been told that I'm doing the same, which I don't really think I am. But um there might be there might be similarities along the way
0: obviously. But Um, the charming thing about it is that, you know, you are very, very natural. You know, meeting mm -hmm. you, you're very natural. And what is your experience when you tell people that you're from Luxembourg and how have you found coming back to Luxembourg?
1: Well, in London it's well, Luxembourg is always this big question mark. People are like, Oh my god, I never met anyone from Luxembourg. I mean, oh God, it's so lame by now. We've heard it a thousand times. But um, it's interesting. People from Luxembourg would think, oh, in London, they must be really interested in that food from Luxembourg because nobody knows about it. And I'm like, yeah, nobody knows about it because nobody cares about it. It's mm-hmm. really a problem. Sticking out in a big crowd in London is incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. It's so impossible. Mm-hmm. And I've managed to make a career in London in journalism. So I managed to get a lot of work there and in the food writing as a restaurant criti- critic and uh, for ZTF and Associated Press. But I never really managed to land um, a book deal in the UK or get a TV show in the UK. I was in talks with lots of publishers who really loved what I do. And I pushed and pushed and pushed and it never really ended up going anywhere. It's much harder, isn't it? I had one who nearly, who nearly signed me. And she, in the end, she said, look, Anne, it's so tough. Our marketing team just says it's not, it's not gritty enough. It's just, there's just... And I was like, okay, so would you like me to write something different? And they were like, yeah, we need to find a plan. We need to find something that sticks out. But the problem is, at the moment, the market is so hard. They won't take anyone unless they have a TV show in the UK. Mm. And that's the thing. That was the gritty thing. What they meant to say is like, you need to be on TV, and that in the UK, that's the problem. It's such a saturated market. It's I have to say I really loved being in the UK for 12 years because it really made me very ambitious and very like knowing how to go for things and knowing as well that it can succeed. I'm not sad that I never had a TV show in the UK because I don't think that it could have been as great as the one I did here because here I could produce it all myself and really have my own look and determine everything. Whereas in the UK, if you work with a TV channel, you're pretty sure to be told no, you can't do that. And know. I
0: think it would be a shame if yours did become very commercialized because I think the charm of Anne's Kitchen is that it's so personal, and you can tell that it's really someone just having fun in her kitchen. Thank you. Um, it looks that way yeah. anyway. I know that it's a lot of hard work too. Yeah, but it's, it's hard work that's fun, I yeah, mean, come it, on. Yeah, it really, really shows. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how, how do you find coming back to Luxembourg? Are you happy to be back now? I really am. So I moved back on the 1st of November last year,
1: mm. and I was a bit cautious about it, a bit like, oh, apprehensive. I'm thinking, oh, I hope it's not going to be too small. I hope I'm not going to miss all the great restaurants in London. And I have to say, it's been incredible. It's been so nice reconnecting with Luxembourg, the people, and Luxembourg's changed so much. I mean, 12 years ago when I left, it was international but it wasn't like now i mean here you hear all the languages spoken mm-hmm. you have so many international people there is a buzz happening in the food scene i mean we're just sitting next to the rotante here where yeah. there's a great food truck there's just it's so much happening you can eat anything here yeah and there is a real buzz happening and i think it's it's something that i realize that here I, I belong here now mm-hmm. and i think i can have an impact on this country as in like i know that when i have when i will publish my new cookbook in in october or i have a new tv mm-hmm. show in september i know that people will talk about it and i can actually influence the way people eat yeah. or inspire them actually that's my most important thing is inspire people to cook in their kitchens and that, that's
0: great. I can really do something in Luxembourg that people are interested in and that has an impact. I think it's really good that you're back and you spoke about how Luxembourg's changed so much in the last 12 years. And I think one of the changes could be that in the beginning, a lot of young people felt that they had to leave Luxembourg mm-hmm. to accomplish something. And then lately, I think maybe in the last three or four years, people have realized, well, we can stay here and we can make a big difference here as well. And that's yeah. why there's been a big boom in all these cool uh, young things that have started happening in that's Luxembourg. That's exactly it. We come back with the experience from a mm. want kind of bring that a little
1: bit of Paris or Berlin or London to yeah. Luxembourg. And there is a buzz happening. And I think I really encourage anyone who has entrepreneurial ideas to at least inform themselves, make informed decisions, but go for it. I think one of the things that I learned is that if you really have the drive and the passion, you can make it, but just always be cautious, be informed. Don't just like throw yourself into a project and take huge risks, quit your job and just have nothing. But go for it, go for it on the side first slowly and then it will come.
0: (laughs) I would say about 20 years ago, um, if you wanted to be a professional chef or have a cookbook or something, you would have to be professionally trained. Mm -hmm. And that's changed a lot. And I think you are not professionally trained as a chef. No. (laughs) Um, So what is your advice for young people who are aspiring to be chefs and, you know, want to come out and make cookbooks and things? Should they go through the training or do you think that now it's much easier? So I think one of the things is that if you want to learn how to cook, you can just go
1: and buy cookbooks or go online and watch, watch tutorials and just practice, 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 because at the end of the day, that's what makes it. They say, I think it takes 10,000 hours for someone to be an expert in one thing. Mm-hmm. So just cook every day and you can do it. Um, I did take professional training last summer, so I went to uh, Paris and I did a two-month training course at Alain Ducasse mm-hmm. to really learn the basics. And I thought, oh, I'm going to come out and I'm going to be so such a good chef and everything. I came out and I was like, what did I actually learn? I learned that I've learned a lot already before I came here and that my intuition is completely right. And I, I might have learned a bit to tweak my knife skills. But for the rest, I realized that by practicing at home and already reading figured it so out. many yeah. blogs and books, and I was even more creative than those
0: friendships who sure. told me you can't add ginger to that. <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and there's so many food blogs. What would you, what would your advice be for people who want to create a new food blog? I
1: mean, there is no magic formula. It's mm-hmm. very tough. I still, I mean, I don't even look at my numbers anymore because I just find it incredibly frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's something that's very hard to get attention. I think what the most important is that you do it for the right reasons. You do it for yourself because you love it, because it gives you energy, because it's something that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Maybe for sharing recipes with friends. Don't do it in order to be successful and be like this big food blogger because that will take away the authenticity from it. Yeah. It needs to be something that's makes you that's your happy place. Mm-hmm. So find your voice, experiment with whatever you want. If it's if a blog, is the beauty of a blog is that it always evolves. It can, it can change. And if you looked at the very first posts I did on my blog, you would be like, oh, wow, God, the, the photos were actually not very good. <laughs> but that's the point. It's like the beauty of it is, is you can experiment with it. Mm-hmm. And there is no risk with a blog because it's online somewhere hidden away.
0: And if you don't want to put it in your name, nobody will ever find it. Yeah. So there's two questions that we ask all the guests that come on the show. What would you tell your 18-year-old self, Anne?
1: I think it would be have faith that it will all work out in the way that don't go after your passions and just be authentic and just do do what makes you happy and mm-hmm. you will find a way it will actually always work out because one of the things I've realized is that when you look back, there's always a story. It always You can see the things, how it
0: all got led from one point to the other. Yeah, we could see that from yours, definitely. <laughs> um, and what would be the soundtrack to your life? Yeah, that's
1: a tough one. There's lots of music I like, but I think one soundtrack that particularly that I play over and over again is um, the soundtrack from Garden State, that mm-hmm. movie by Zach Braff. At university, that was our favorite movie. And The songs really,
0: really speak to me. I just love them. There's there's Shins on it, there's Sia on it, there's Mm -hmm. a few other. It's just beautiful. So we'll play a song from that album um, at the end of the show. Is there anything new that you want to share with the listeners? Any, not spoilers, but anything (laughs) fun coming up? Obviously in Luxembourg now. So I'm trying
1: to do little pop-up things here and there. Like um, last year in December, I did a brunch at uh, Betty Buvette at the Mm Rotonde. And that's supposed to become a regular thing. So four times a year, we're going to try to do a brunch, an Anne's Kitchen brunch event. And uh, I'm actually working on my new show and my new book, which will come out this fall. Very exciting. So that will take a lot of my
0: work. But definitely um, you will hear from me. I'll be around. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Um, It's been very, very inspiring to hear from you. And uh, we wish you the best of luck with all the new things you're doing in Luxembourg thank you thank you so that's it for this week's how I got here podcast thank you so much for downloading this episode please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes remember to subscribe to it too it's a big help for me and the podcasts are free and the way to keep them free is if you guys keep reviewing and rating them if you want to find out more about Anne's blog it's annskitchen.co.uk so it's A-N-N-E-S kitchen K-I-T-C-H-E-N dot co dot U-K And here's the soundtrack to Anne's life that she requested earlier. It's the soundtrack to the movie Garden State. Thank you again for listening. I'm Marina Lai from Aura City Radio.